there is a group of guys out there who's saying like i actually wish we could talk about this and and i'm not you know i'm not i'm not a crazy guy i'm not super emotional necessarily but this affected me and i want to talk about it there is pain in there he may not want to admit it or may not understand it but there is a silent pain Welcome to the Four No Men podcast. Today, I interview Dave Dietz. He wrote this book called When Men Have Miscarriages, Finding Hope Amidst Silent Pain. And it was a great time for he and I to connect about our stories, our journeys, the things that we've learned, the things that we wish we would have learned. And for you, I really hope that this blesses you because it's a great conversation between two men who've gone through hard things, really connecting really resonating and really experiencing what the hope of Jesus brings amidst miscarriage. So I hope this blesses you. So here's my interview with David Dietz. All right, David, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I want to like to just off the bat, let's just start off with who you are, not what you do, but who you are. Well, talk to me about your family and stuff like that. Yeah. I am was in ministry, pastoral ministry for twenty years, and uh, we have uh, I just a little bit of an interesting fact about myself. So in high school, I would have known that God was calling me into pastoral ministry. However, I did not want to be poor and miserable because that was my opinion <laughs> or impression of people in ministry. So uh, I knew that God wanted me there, but I didn't want to do it. So I went off to college, and uh, I was a pre-med major because my thought was, well, who's not poor and who's not miserable? My first thought was, well, doctors, they <laughs> seem to not be poor, yeah. and they seem to not be miserable. Now, I've probably met a few that are maybe not poor, but they might be a little bit miserable. Um, <laughs> sure. And so it was there that I met my wife. She was actually a pre- she actually had good intentions. She wanted to follow the Lord to be a medical missionary doctor. And uh, I was just there because, you know, I wanted to drive a Mercedes, I guess. And yeah, so sure. um, about three quarters of the way through my freshman year, I changed to Bible and she changed to music, actually. And um, so we uh, we got married and uh, got right into ministry. I actually worked for uh, Caterpillar and General Electric, and we helped a small church in Indiana. And then uh, we moved to New Mexico and uh, became a youth pastor in 2002. So uh, that was my first adventure out west. I grew up in the Midwest in, in Illinois. So okay. um, that was my my first adventure and so give me the honor if you would walk me through how many miscarriages did you name them all those different things walk me through your story when it comes to particularly to miscarriage yeah so we had four total miscarriages okay. we had the first one was in january of uh 2001 and um and and um that was not you know, for me, I was I was still in shock that we were pregnant, and that's probably why I was not interested mm. in, you know, I wasn't that I was not interested in the baby. I was. It just, I was in shock of, I'm going to be a dad. And I, mm. you know, I just, it was surreal to me. I'm just trying to figure out marriage. I'm trying to, I don't know, maybe I'm just slow to the draw, but I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm going to be a dad. And then you have all of these mm. thoughts about I'm overwhelmed with all that it takes to be a dad and I'm probably going to screw this up. And so that was, that was really where I was those first like 12 weeks, you know, until she had the mm-hmm. miscarriage was that's why, you know, she's like happy go lucky. This is amazing. I'm pregnant and all this stuff's happening. And I'm sitting over there going, I feel like I'm in a cloud of a days because I'm going to be a dad. And man, there's mm-hmm. so much, I felt like so much pressure, you know, to be the dad. 
And so that's why I think when, when that first miscarriage happened, it was shot. That was what was shocking. Cause it kind of pulled me, it, it, it radically pulled me out of that whole daze I was in of like, yeah, she's mm-hmm. pregnant, but I'm over here trying to figure out what it's going to take to be a dad. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, get the shocking news on that, uh, day when she called saying she was at the doctor's office and the baby was dead. And it really kind of just pulls you into this reality very quickly. Um, and you're trying to play catch up, if you will, of like, oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, you are pregnant. You are going through all these things. And now this reality of the baby being dead and uh, and going through that. And and I think through that, you know, through that two week process or two and a half week process, um, you know, it was very quickly for me. Um, I think like I mentioned in the book, it just yeah, I, I don't know how to deal with it. Pull it together. Suck it up. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to hear you complaining. Mm-hmm um just move on and um and i think for you know for for kimberly it was oh i guess we don't talk about this so i guess we're we're just acting like this didn't happen and um and that that was really that was really the bent i took and so Mm -hmm. she had two other ones um so we had caleb uh he was born july 13th of uh, 2003 and so um, we had um, we had him, and then we had two other uh, miscarriages. They were really really quick. In fact, she was just I think she had just basically informed me that you know mm-hmm. I had took a pregnancy test, and and then it was like quickly we lost you know probably six mm-hmm. weeks eight week time frame for both of those. Mm-hmm. So that those were almost like you know they were gone before I even realized they were there type of thing. Um, they were very quick, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then the fourth miscarriage was, um, with Andrew, uh, with his twin in, uh, March of 2006. Mm. And that was because she was mm. six months along, uh, at that point. Mm. And she had just read about what's called vanishing twin. And I remember mm. like two or three weeks before we went to this appointment because we were doing regular checkups. She was considered high risk. So we had regular checkups mm. and everything that she had been through. And she had just told me about this vanishing twin thing, which I thought that is so bizarre. Like the body just absorbs it. And so anyway, I was really kind of intrigued by this whole concept. Everything was fine in our pregnancy at that point. And then, you know, three weeks later or so is when we, we realized or started going through that process, um, that we were losing the baby. And I probably knew, uh, when we were with the doctor, you know, cause every month we'd go, we'd go for our Mm -hmm. checkup and you could, she would move the. She, I'm sure there's a fancy title for it, but she would move the little yeah. wand around. Uh, she shows like yeah. white guys, guys should not be having these conversations because the women listening yeah. right now, are yeah. like, I get it. You guys are idiots. Yeah. Okay. There's uh, this word it's for a it. thing, man. It's a, yeah, it's the, it's this medical term. It's, thing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, so it. that's why we're thankful for our wives who love us in spite of our yes. stupidity. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So every month we would go and and she would hold it in two different spots. You could hear two different heartbeats and, you know, hear everything. And then that, when we went in, it was the first part of March and, and I, you know, Kimberly, I don't, you know, I think she was just worried about laying on the table and, you know, being there and I'm kind of watching the doctor and you could just kind of, you just do this long enough and you just kind of can tell mm-hmm. like, mm, I don't think this is going mm-hmm. well. And, um, mm-hmm. so I probably knew at that point, but I was like, well, let's hold out hope and see what happens. And so, you know, she was like, Hey, go for mm-hmm. a second opinion just to make sure. And, um, you know, that's when we, we went and got a second opinion and, uh, that was March of 2006. So 
Um, yeah, between January of 2001 and March of 2006. So in that five year, basically five year span, we had the four miscarriages. Yeah. So you call um, when men have miscarriages, finding hope amidst silent pain is the book. Why do you feel like the silent pain part really stuck out to you? Why, why call it that? Yeah, I think the um, uh, the silent part is because it's not talked about hardly at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's not talked about because men don't know how to talk about it or if they should talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there I think there are a there is a group of men who would love to talk about it. In fact, would love mm-hmm. to engage with the conversation. But I think the general stereotype of men is that we don't talk about it. It didn't happen. We don't deal with it. Suck it up. Be a man. All the, you know, all the things that probably I've said mm-hmm. as well. And so I think mm-hmm. there is there there is part of it where the man is looking at it processing going I don't even know how to talk about this. I don't know that we should talk about this. I don't know that anybody else is going to want to talk about it. That we don't talk about it. Meanwhile, I think there are there is a group of guys out there who's saying like I actually wish we could talk about this. And and I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not a crazy guy. I'm not super emotional mm-hmm. necessarily, but this affected me and I want to talk about it. And so there's the silence there and then there is the pain. Even even for me, who did not talk about it, literally did not address it, did not mm-hmm. deal with it. Um, going through the process, even with Andrew, you know, years after, like when he was born and, you know, three to 10 and all the stuff that, that he, we walked through together, realizing all along there has been this pain. So even for the guy who says it doesn't exist and it didn't happen, there is pain in there. Mm-hmm. There, There is. And he does, he may not want to admit it, or may not understand it, but there is a silent pain. So I think those two things, those two words were important mm-hmm. for me to put in the subtitle um, from the standpoint of it's silent because nobody's talking about it, but there is pain there. We have to acknowledge this on some mm-hmm. level. Well, I, as one of those guys, it definitely resonates with the fact of we have to talk about these things, right? Uh, I think it's really important because I went to two places on my journey, which is should I be silent here? Like every time right, we went right. to the doctor, her doc, it's her doctor, by the way. And I, I have questions. Like, I don't know if you have questions about this, but there's like, when you go through a pregnancy, I have so many questions as a guy. Right. right. Most of them are just dumbfounded because that's so cool. But all right. the same respect, <laughs> I don't understand what's happening at all. Like, where's that right. going to go? You right. know, like there's all these different, like weird, am I not allowed? Am I supposed to be quiet here? Because, I, I offered like at least a couple minutes of this process here. Like, I don't understand where, where are we supposed to, like, who do I ask these questions to? But then I don't necessarily see from a loss perspective, it going well for me. Like if I was just literally being introspective and saying, I don't think this is healthy for me to not ask questions. I don't think it's healthy for me to just get over it. Right. I totally resonate with what you're saying where I had to suck it up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And then we have this weird male calling thing where we're supposed to serve our wives and love them as Christ loved the church because I believe in Jesus. What the heck does that mean? Right? Like where does that all happen? And I'm supposed to do this perfectly well and, and awesomely every time we go through this. (laughs) 
So talk to me about like how you experienced all the blender of that crap right there, right? Because I felt like, and maybe you did it better than I did, but that was where I really felt like there's got to be something here where nobody's talking about it. Am I allowed to talk about it? But no, we're not. And, And then I have this person in my bed sleeping next to me that's just crying a lot Mm. and i i don't even know how to resonate with her pain yeah yeah you know yeah i think talk to me about your experience yeah i think for me i like i would describe it like um you know i have very vivid dreams that sometimes i wake up from in the middle of them because i'm like dude i can't finish out that dream it's not gonna end well Mm. i'm gonna die or something Mm. in that dream (laughs) um it's the falling down the elevator or falling down the elevator shaft please wake up before you right your body is like oh you got two seconds before you yeah so i think to me this is kind of how it was with the miscarriage thing was this was like a dream if i just wake up and like think about it as a dream so that didn't really happen but i'm it's there but it's not there kind of thing and so you live in this weird state of that and i think you're right you know like with with my wife just trying to understand emotions and even like even like weeks later crying about something or tearing you know tearing up about something and i'm like what are we, I don't understand why we're still crying. I don't understand why we still have an emotion about this. Like, can't you just act like this did not happen and then we'll all be fine. And so I think for her, um, you know, and I from think- From the males, like you're saying that's from from the guy's perspective. From like the guy's that's, perspective. That's yeah, where, I'm not suggesting yeah. that guys should say those no, things. No, But no. I think that's well, why- Well, I, I think I, yeah, totally. I resonate with that because you just, you go down this path of you're like, I don't, why are we still talking about this? Exactly. Like, and I, I feel terrible and I'm sure you felt terrible too when the two thoughts like, like met, like, like my guyness met with my husbandry calling. And like when those two met, you kind of go to this place of, Oh, oh, I've already let that cat out of the bag. Exactly. (laughs) We got some problems here. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Your husband wants to take a mulligan and your guyness is like, he's used up all of his mulligans. Yeah, you yeah. you blew that on blew that. like day two. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> well, for me it was like minute one, but <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think a little long. Yeah. yeah, I think because we we just there like you said, there are so many things we do not understand. We don't grasp mm-hmm. any of it, and mm-hmm. honestly, until there, I mean, we we can track along with you know some of the emotions or sleeplessness or but it really until like month six when they start to show or i don't know when do they start to show i don't know to see this is honestly we need to have like an idiot's guide to pregnancy for guys like a guy yeah. version just because we just we're so clu- i mean i think women do not realize how clueless guys are and and, True. and part even as we we're talking about this part of me is like it's not me i mean i know that i'm insensitive but i'm i'm like not purposefully insensitive i'm just mostly mm-hmm. an idiot that's why i'm insensitive but then there's an aspect that says, I just don't even know what to say or what to ask, or I don't even know where to begin. Can I even have this conversation? You know, so yet you so your wife has a miscarriage, you guys have a miscarriage, you go through this, and you're like, I don't know what is okay to bring up, what is not okay to bring up. If I bring up this topic and she starts crying, I don't know how to deal with that now. And how did we get into this situation again? And you know, so the guy is just sitting there going, it's not that I want to be Mr. Insensitive. Hey, you know, babe, don't talk about this. It didn't happen. Although that's the route I probably took because I'm sitting there going, I have 
no idea how to even help you right now. And, you know, and, and I think there, there is part, that's part of why I think I put it in the book. And those were hindsight questions, you know, in the book of saying like, it, cause I'm like, I don't, I, I do not want to come off as like, oh, I did that. Cause actually I didn't do any of those, but in hindsight, and really actually it was healthy for my wife and I to talk about all this stuff, you know, 10 years later to say, Hey, what should I have done? Well, thank you for bringing this up 10 years later, Dave, here's what you should have done. You know, and uh, I don't know if there's a tenure mulligan, but I needed a I needed a massive one to say, oh, I'm sorry. And I I had no idea, you know, can we can we now talk about this thing? So, mm -hmm. well, I think that that is the that is the whole point of adding more awareness to this mm -hmm. particular subject, because I think it, it is so. uh <laughs> You and I can approach it, I think, with a level of, of lightness because we have gone through it. We, we we share the commonality of those things. And I hope people listening to the podcast can understand that if we are offering anything in a lighthearted manner whatsoever, it's because sometimes I think we have to take a step back and just laugh at ourselves as right. men because right. – and again, there's a difference. I want to I I take a, a step back and just laugh at the – um, the nuances uh, between men and women, but I don't want to make fun of them. Yes, exactly. Because I think that there's a deep, deep calling that you and I have that is if I really want to get at it at the core of who I am, the core of me being a follower of Jesus on top of being a male, the, the plan is... I don't want to be insensitive towards my wife and I don't want to approach her from a perspective of, Hey, when are you going to quote unquote, get over this? Yep. What I'm asking for is I'm not great at communicating. There's still pain here. And I actually have no idea how to deal with it. Yeah. I have, I am not built for this. And as a guy, I have been literally spoon fed, force fed, whatever fed you want to call it. This idea of be, be a rough, tough man, wear right. plaid and grow right. a beard. Case in point, you did well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm I'm there, right? Uh, but at the same respect, I don't think it's Jesus is calling for us as men to approach this situation with our wives with such, um, probably harshness. Correct. Probably even for you and I to sit there and say we just got to grin and bear it and go over it. There's some stuff that we have to wrestle with too. Yep. Because if I'm honest, I don't want to just grin and bear it and right. suck it up and right. get through it. Because I, I, I kind of wanted this kid too. Yep. I just have no concept of understanding how to remotely put those pieces together. Exactly. Yeah, and I think in, you know you raise a good point to to the to the family, and it's easy for for you know us when it's when it's years gone by and you're looking back. I remember in those moments. Uh, I remember, I remember the the moment leaving the hospital after the the DNE or DNC or whatever it was um, mm -hmm. in January of two thousand one, and I remember the feeling I had of like a dog with his tail between its legs walking out of the Walgreens at one a.m. getting pain meds for her, and feeling like I'm a loser. I'm not a man. I, you know, look, I can't even produce a child. And it's, I don't know, it's a weird thing, but guys have this, it's this element of that's what makes, you know, besides wearing plaid and growing a beard, you, you can produce a child. Mm -hmm. It's just, maybe, I don't yeah. know, barbaric or whatever it is, but there is, it's a real thing for guys. Mm -hmm. And so even for guys in the moment, 
there is a feeling of, you know, being beat down, being um, weak, being lost, being confused. And so, and then you add into the complications of pregnancy, which we have no clue. Like, I know we have no clue about what they're going through. And so for the, for the couple that's in the middle of it right now, I would say yeah. this, like you, you need to get somebody to help you talk it mm -hmm. through. You're not going to do yes. this on your own. You're, if you're not doing it already, you're not going to magically start probably tomorrow. Yeah. So find a pastor, find a friend, find mm -hmm. somebody, a third person who can say, hey, we love you both. Can we just help you actually have the conversation? You know, mm -hmm. so Dave, do you have questions about this that you would love to ask Kimberly? Oh, yeah, I do, actually. Mm -hmm. And then now I've got kind of this third party mitigator, if you will. I don't have to say mitigator because it's not like a, yeah. but it's just a third person that can sit there and go, oh, yeah wow, I can understand what you're going through. Okay, let me talk to the wife and say, hey, this is what he's trying to say. And then, you know, that just maybe kind of gets that conversation going for them. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you you look at this 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 idea of whatever trajectory, my friend, he rides he rides tandem bicycles with his wife. I don't know, his, I, don't, I couldn't do it. And he, he says that when you jump on a tandem bicycle with your wife, your marriage is going to exponentially go in the direction it was already headed. <laughs> so either it's going to go really good or it's going to go really bad really quick because you're on a tandem bicycle. That's a good um, counseling but, technique. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But to me, what was there in your marriage before the loss or the pain or the uncertainty or the miscarriage or stillbirth or all those different things, I think is exponentially increased because of grief. Yeah. So yep. when you weren't great at communicating maybe before, mm -hmm. now you really need to level up your communication in it. And it's, you know that you need to learn how to communicate and, and you, but you also don't know how to communicate Correct. maybe as, as an example. And so it's, it's heightened yep. that, that inefficiency to me is heightened Yeah. where we weren't great. I wasn't great uh, learning how to communicate with you, my life partner, my wife, yep. before this happened. Now I got all sorts of stuff that's being piled on top of that, and I just, bleh, yep. I don't get any of that. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so I think that that's one of those things where we have to continue to go, hmm, we need to take a step back. Right. We need to take take get into something like a book like this and say, I need to I need to maybe add some more verbiage, some language to what I'm feeling here, yep. and then have a tremendous amount of grace for each other and say, I'm really giving this a shot yeah. here. Yeah, love. I'm really trying to talk this through. You know. Yeah, and I think that's a good reminder too for the. I mean, my wife was super gracious to me, but I I mean, let's face it, not all women are perfect. I know that's going to be a shocking statement to say. Whoa. Whoa. I, mean, I know. That was David Dietz that saying was, that? Yeah, no, Ryan Cole. Not... <laughs> <laughs> the uh, opinions expressed in this podcast are not Yeah, really right, are not necessary. <laughs> no. Yeah. But, I mean, we're all fallen creatures. Let me put it in a biblical perspective, yeah, right? Yeah, we, no, none of us you. are perfect, right? You're welcome. I'm trying to save your thank butt you. here. You but, but that's... Yeah, but but that is true. Yeah, you know that and, they they, and when they our... need to mm -hmm. within reason. They've got to show grace. Now the the guy's got to step up and he's got to be accountable and he's got to be a man and he's got to take leadership. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so nobody's backing off of those guys. But sometimes I think the women 
can, I mean, they can sit there in their hurt, in their pain, in their sorrow, and all the stuff that they're going through, and they're sitting there going, why isn't he talking to me? Why isn't he saying something to me? Mm -hmm. What, you know, and, and in their head, the games can start playing, and a graciousness is to say, okay, I, you know, and, and maybe this is part of this for the women, is hearing two guys talk about this, to go, ladies, mm -hmm. I can assure you, 90% of us are just morons, and we're clueless, and we're not trying to be difficult, and the ten percent that are, we can, you know, we'll slap. Well, I mean, I don't know about morons, but I think we're, I think we're not equipped at that moment to so to want to push in yep. to whatever that awkward feeling is, and then we we also it's it's like this double edged sword, man. Like I don't know how to engage with what I'm feeling. And then I really don't know how to articulate it with right. you. And if you're uh, like, we have this concept of it, it's okay to be okay. If you're okay. Mm -hmm. Meaning like if you're having a good day, the last thing I want to do is bring awareness to the fact that you're having a good day. And then you like retrospectively go back to, Oh, but am I not supposed to be having a good day because right. of the loss? Right. Oh crap. I caused that. Yeah. Right. Like, so then I'm walking on these eggshells all the time to go, I don't know where you're at and yeah. I don't know where I'm at. And it's not a moronic thing. It's literally, I don't have the words Yeah. and, and it could come across as that. It could come across as incredibly insensitive. It could come across as I may not have actually just put those two thoughts together yet. Right. Right. Um, I'm just trying to make it to five thirty to eat again, yes. you know, or whatever it is. Exactly. Um, yeah. Or there's a football game on tonight. So if I bring this up, am I going to miss the football game? And yeah. Still, or, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want to cause you any more pain. Yeah. That's really where my heart yeah. went a lot, which was like, I don't, I certainly don't want to hurt you yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's so difficult. You know? And in the process to know and understand, and that's why I say, you know, just having somebody who can, you know, whether that is a counselor or a pastor or a friend mm -hmm. or, you know, somebody that can just help you get the communication mm -hmm. flowing um, to the point where you guys can talk it through and walk it through. And, but I do think most, I yeah. do think most guys really want to, you know, uh, deal with it on some level mm -hmm. or they just don't know how to. And so their natural mm -hmm. response is shut it down. I, I, I laugh because the thing that just popped in my head and I don't know if it's Holy Spirit or not, we're just going to, no, I'm not going to blame it on Holy Spirit. But I think it's one of those things where, as guys, I don't wake up in the morning wanting to upset you. I don't wake right. up in the morning wanting to be right. a bonehead. I, I, I really don't. I, I wake up in the morning trying to have quiet time and prayer and all the, to get my mindset. And I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I don't wake up wanting to put my foot in my mouth. Right. But I do. Right. Probably by 6. My wife wakes up usually about 6.30 by 6.33. Wow. There's something that has come out of my mouth where <laughs> like, I'm just like, whoops, well, yeah. crap. That's how we're going to start our day. That's right. Fantastic. That's I apologize. You right. know, but, but, but that's that. Yeah. I mean, that's not what I don't, I don't think any of us wakes up and specifically in grief situations like this. None of us that, I mean, you've been a pastor for 20 years in premarital counseling. We don't have a session on how are y'all going to handle grief? 
there there isn't we're right. we're it's just not a thing and right. and i i don't recommend that it becomes a thing right. but i do think that that it is a a a true fact that we don't actually know how we are going to handle really hard situations until we're probably in the really right. hard situations together yeah. yeah yeah you're right yeah i don't know that we need to add a grief section in there per se to the Gosh, but, but we help them with communication yeah. And we help mm -hmm. them with an understanding of, hey, just like you got pre-marriage counseling to help you think through some things, you need you need other times where, you mm -hmm. know, somebody is walking you through, and you know, and I, that's what, after our first miscarriage. What was fascinating to me, I had I don't think I had ever talked about miscarriage. Like it never came up in my mind until the first one, and then almost like once we made it public that we had had a miscarriage, like within the first two to three weeks, I had probably like six or seven people call me and they were mm -hmm. like, Hey, we've had a miscarriage too. What can you help us with? And I was like, I didn't realize how many people have gone through a miscarriage and how many people are mm -hmm. like, even now when I talk about like, Hey, I wrote this book and you know, this is, and I'm shocked the number of men who will come and say, Hey, we've had one. No one knows, but we had one or we had three or whatever. And so, man, there is mm -hmm. a, there are a boatload of men walking around, with this and and the reason why i think they really want to deal with it is because they on their own come and say hey we've had one hey we know what yeah. the, you know but they don't they yeah. don't know how to have processed so it. yeah that's it right there they don't know how to process through it so what they're doing is they're saying that they want the awareness mm -hmm. hey we've gone through this too but really the second part of that question is how, how do i get how do I get through this? Cause I still don't actually know how to get through this. I, I really feel like that's the thing because we don't, we aren't talking about it. And yeah. you know, when we, when we went through our loss, you know, there were, uh, I think women talk a lot more about it than we do, but yeah. then there is the, yeah, we, we've had a loss too. Well, what, why are we at? Why, why are you saying that? It's because I want you to see me and I want you to say something to help me yep. and you don't have the words probably because you just from a guy's perspective we grin and bear it and we get over it and we keep going and we keep providing and there's nothing healthy and then 10 years down the road we're we're walking down the street and we see a stroller and a, a cute kid and you yep. um you you break down you know we we yep. in, when uh in, in our story when we lost our son Witson, and our friends the browns were losing their daughter core at the same time and there was actually a third co-worker of theirs that had their child and i'm facebook friends with them and it might not be healthy for me but i i, I kind of don't want to lose it because their cute son i see pictures and i'm reminded ah mm -hmm. Witson would be right, like this right. child and yep. that's really hard man and yep. And is that me not healing? I don't think so. I think that's me just saying, wow, that's, that is a bummer. Yeah. And I want to keep moving forward and I don't want to be in perpetual pain, Yeah, you know? So talk to me about, you know, you, it's, you, you it took you seven years to write the book, right? Yes. What do you <laughs> think from a healing perspective was this healing for you? And then where do, where do you feel like, from a guy's perspective, where do we need to camp and spend a lot of time healing with Jesus during this, this situation? Yeah, it took me seven years to write. Um, just because I, 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 I didn't want to 
I didn't write it, want to write it in the first place, but then I wrote the like mm -hmm. first kind of draft through and I thought to myself, Hey, you know what? That was therapeutic. And part of the, mm -hmm. the underlying mindset was nobody's going to want to read about what mm -hmm. I had to go through. Uh, but I read through the, I read, kind of wrote through the first rough draft and, and, um, interestingly enough, it's just so interesting how people's words are, are good and bad, but I sent it out to, a, I, I kind of threw this thing out on Facebook, which was like, Hey, I'm working on this project. I try to keep it vague, but I'm like, I'm working on this project that deals with miscarriage. If you would be willing to help me with it, send me a private message. And so I had people that I didn't know that were connected to other people and they wrote me private messages. Hey, I'd be willing to, so I'm like. Hey, I've got this rough draft. Would you be willing to read through it? And so I sent it to, I don't know, probably 20, 30 people. And uh, most of them were very positive or, you know, just, hey, yeah, good job. Great. You're heading in the right direction, whatever. I, I don't even remember who this person was, but one person wrote me back and they said, how arrogant and selfish are you really? All of the stories in wow. here are about you. And I it floored me because wow. I was like, I mean, I'm like, dude, this is not about us. But so I wrote them back and I said, I said, well, I said, I'm, I'm sorry that it was offensive to you that the stories were about us. But I said, literally, the only people's stories I know is mine. That's the only, I said, so if you have a story that you would like to share, I'd be happy to talk about it or include it or put it in there or whatever. And so that really sent me reeling back of like, wow. man, maybe I am, you know, maybe this is all about you know, Dave wants to be seen and I don't know it. So I didn't want to write it anyway. So that first rough draft was rough. And then God kept bringing, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. God kept bringing these situations. Uh, I remember one of the final, one of the final edits I had done through basically kind of, it was ready. Uh, it was at least ready to kind of, you know, go to a final editing process. And this is probably two years ago, three years ago. And I had put it down and I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm just not going to finish this out. I'm not going to publish it. I'm not going to do anything with it. And I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, we met up for lunch and he had no, nobody knew I was writing this thing. Cause I didn't talk about it. Like I didn't talk about miscarriage sure. and I'm not talking about this book. And so he had no idea that I was working on this project and he, uh, we're sitting at lunch and he's like, Dave, he goes, you know, my, and he, he's probably, I don't know, probably sixties or so. He's got daughters that are probably in their twenties, twenties, thirties. And he said, Dave, he said, um, my daughter's had a miscarriage and it's been really difficult. And he said, we really want to start a ministry for getting resources to churches to help with miscarriage. Because mm -hmm. he goes, what we found was the church that my daughter goes to didn't really know how to help her. And so I'm just mm -hmm. listening. We're sitting at Beefaroo in Rockford, Illinois. I'm just sitting there listening, <laughs> going, oh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm just like, I'm not going to play my cards here. And uh, he's like, Dave, he goes, we have we have some resources for the kids, some things to encourage them, and we have some resources for the women. And he goes, but we have nothing on the men and the husbands. He goes, I cannot find anything. He goes, and he wasn't even, he wasn't Brian. He just said, if you happen to ever come across anything that would be helpful, he's like, Dave, I can't tell you how helpful that would be like that would be huge so if you if in all of your stuff and we had never really talked about our even our story and so i'm sitting there and the whole time the holy spirit's like you know like tapping on my head going hey Hello. hey buddy hey buddy hello dude yeah, yeah. yeah. you remember me <laughs> yeah. i've been working yeah. on you for seven and so i just remember yeah. like yeah. Oh, crap okay so i'm yeah. like all right well actually let me tell you what the reality <laughs> 
let me tell you the reality. I've written a book and it's a rough draft. And he, I mean, he was smart. Yeah. He's like, you've done, you've done what? He's like, you, yeah. you've got here. Here's a copy of it. And yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So he yeah. said, he, he was like, Dave, he goes, can I please implore you to finish mm. that and publish mm. it? And uh, cool. that was honestly what God used to, cause I kept, I'd write it and put it down. I'd make changes. I'd put it down. Yeah. It was, so I was like going through this therapeutic process for myself over seven years. Sure. And so really that was instrumental in saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get it out there. And, and um, mm. yeah, there's not a ton of people talking about it. And I think the ones that I have found that are talking about it are talking about it from a worldly perspective. And what I love about this is your book, really you do talk a little bit, uh, you talk a lot of bit, obviously about your faith background, your faith perspective. I want to know, how do you feel like your faith grew? And this might be um, either from writing the book or after all of your, your miscarriages and your losses, because I think that that's my goal. My hope is that men can see that when you lean into Jesus, you can actually, there's so much that he can reveal to you about what's true and not true about your nature, the nature of this loss and the nature of your marriage, but your faith can actually grow. So what do you feel from a pastoral perspective, both from, and from a, a guy that's gone through this perspective, how can you read a book like this and actually use it to help you on your faith journey? Yeah, I think for me, there was two tracks that my life was going down. One track was the pastoral track. I'm, you know, teaching, I'm preaching, I'm studying theology. I'm, you know, and then there's this personal track that I'm going down with going through the miscarriages, dealing with the, dealing with Andrew and all of the, 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 the aspect of what he was walking through and how to shepherd him through it. And so these two tracks are kind of like going down. And I don't know that I ever. Uh, it well, I, I would say it took me a while to connect the two tracks together, the theological to inform the personal practical. So I knew all the theology and but to me that was that was its own separate track. That was a pastoral track. That's what I did. Uh, that's what I enjoyed. And then I've got this private personal thing going on that I'm navigating. And I think for me, when the two kind of connected and actually it what really so what really connected the dot was, um, I did every year at, when I was pastoring, I was seven years as a lead pastor. So all seven of those years from, you know, 2013 to 2020 I, on sanctity of human life Sunday, I would do a message directly geared about sanctity of human life. And so my last Sunday, uh, that I was in our church in Michigan, it was, would have been, uh, January of, uh, 2020, I believe, um, I did it on uh, sanctity of human life, but I told our testimony. And I had never shared our testimony. And so as I was walking through, like, how do, I lay, how do I lay out our testimony? And then what can I bring theologically to bear from the Bible? That was where it was finally all kind of connecting together to, you know, going through like I, I do in the, I forget the title of it, is like finding hope or finding hope when, even when you didn't know it was missing or something in the book to bring in Colossians, to look at, you know what, God is holding you together. You know, he is before all things and in him all things consist. Uh, God is sovereign. Nothing has happened that he's not aware of, that he's not in control of. And so just for me, it was actually putting that testimony together. And it was like, oh, look, all these like all these pieces kind of came together. And 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 probably one of the, the telling points of that 
that message when I preached it in January of 2020 was I got done, I shared our testimony, and a number of our church people came and said, we had, Dave, we had no idea you had ever gone through any of this. You ne-. And I was like, you know what, Dietz, you have, you're an idiot. You have missed, in, in your, I guess, selfishness, in your whatever, whatever reason I didn't talk about it, through the time or even after to anybody, because I was like, who wants to hear my story? I am nobody. Like mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just Dave over here doing my thing. Mm-hmm. And so even in that, I think at the end of that service to hear people say, we wish we would have known that you were going through this. We wish we, you know, we've been through this and, and the number of opportunities that we could have had to minister. It was just an, in, an instant reminder to me of, you know what, uh, share your story, be willing to talk about your story yeah. because it's not actually about you and no one's going to think that this is about you. Um, but it's yeah. a way for you to be a blessing and an encouragement to to other people. And so for those, for, you know, for I don't know who who might be listening to this. God in His providence maybe has you listening to this, and you're like, I, you know, I really would like to talk about this. Just just talk about your story, share your story, and let people hear it, and let let yeah. let let them be a blessing to you, and let you in your story be a blessing to them. And, um, I think I realized on that Sunday, like I've, I've actually robbed people of a blessing, not only to speak into our life, but for us to speak into theirs, uh, even in those moments. So it's, you know, I look back on my journey and I'm like, dude, I probably, you know, 20 some year, 23 years on this, really on this journey. Um, I've probably done mostly everything wrong. Uh, but I think now the story's out there. And yeah. the, the book is out there and the resources, you know, are coming. And, yeah. and so, yeah, like just talk about it. The opportunity for us to share our story is really powerful and impactful. Yeah, It creates that bond. It, can, it creates that connection. And I guarantee if you're listening to this, if you share your story with somebody, there will be a sense of release and relief. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have experienced yeah. multiple times. And, and the more times I've shared my story, the more times I've, I've been honest and forthright, and the more times I've just sat with somebody and heard their story, the more times you, you feel you want to go through this not alone, yeah. it requires a little bit of effort on your part to be yeah. seen and to really want to be heard a little bit. And yeah. that's, a, that's something that, you, you know, as you say, what you're, what you're talking about there is you're talking about power and you're talking about people hearing you and going, uh, giving them the opportunity to be empathetic, right? Giving them the opportunity to just be like, man, that, hey, Dave, that sucks, man. I'm really sorry. But I don't get to say I'm sorry and that sucks and I will pray for you and I will be there for you and there's something better for you and Jesus has you if you're walking around not sharing that with anybody, you know? And so I... I uh I want to thank you for writing the book. I think it's when I I want to affirm you in a couple different things because I think um and hopefully guys get this that listen to this too. I I read it and there were a lot of similarities to my story going, "Wow, that's that's really good." I if I'm bluntly honest with you, Dave, I have not said this to you yet. I wanted you to have um I wanted you to be in so far of a different viewpoint than than I was mm. so I could learn a ton from you. Don't receive this as negative. Receive <laughs> no. this as positive, which yep. is I believe what you wrote down was really good and yeah. really like it, it spoke to me in a way that just didn't knock me off my chair. And the reason I'm saying it like this is because I have spent the past three, four, five years 
trying to figure out the Jesus perspective and and who I am and how this man is man is different. I am one of those guys that will continue to wrestle with those things because I want the answers and the answers is Jesus. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so thank you for spending the time to put pen to paper and to write it. Be- and, and I'm thankful that it didn't knock me totally on my butt. And I hope that that's edifying <laughs> to you because, yeah. because it's in, it's, it's good. It's yeah. in the right vein. And if you're listening to this podcast, grab the book because it will speak to you in a way that will affirm the feelings that you're having and I hope that it really challenges you from a faith perspective because you do talk about faith. And I believe that faith is the way to get through this. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And Jesus is the way that you can actually heal and be a better husband, provider, father, to and, and follower of Jesus, but also spouse to your wife. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. So I hope that that doesn't hurt your feelings that I, oh. I wasn't knocking my butt. You know? <laughs> Most of my friends would say it takes a lot to hurt my feelings, but uh, no, that was good. And and I think it's, yeah. you know, Jesus, whether you, you know Christ as Savior or don't know Christ as Savior, Jesus is your hope. So for the unbeliever, yeah. Jesus is your hope. And for the, mm-hmm. for the believer, Jesus is still your hope. I think sometimes mm-hmm. for those of us that have trusted Christ as Savior and then we're like, ah, we can, okay, you know, Jesus, thank you so much for dying on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you for all that you did. I got it from here. You've done so much. And like, if I could just say bluntly to all the guys out there who are in that mode of Jesus, I got it from here. Dude, you don't have it. And Jesus still yeah. has to be with you. And so he's yeah. going to be your hope and your strength and your confidence. And um, yeah, get help, seek help, find a friend, somebody that can help walk you through this. And, and I think share your story just with anybody, yeah. even with a strange, honestly, if you have no friends, just talk to a stranger on the bus or, yeah. you know, on the plane or at the park. Shoot it, us like an email, said, one of us, either, either you or me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would gladly listen. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks Dave. I appreciate you being on the, the four no men podcast. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it. So the book is When Men Have Miscarriages, Finding Hope Amidst Silent Pain. The author, his name is Dave Dietz, and you can find that wherever books are sold. Uh, I will put a link to Amazon in the show notes. But kind of want to recap for a second. You need to tell your story. If you're a guy, grab the book because, like I said, and I was trying to be not cheeky but, but real and authentic because I wanted this book to be the thing that I read that changed my life. And... What I'm learning more on my particular journey is that Jesus has to be the thing that changes my life. This is a book written by a guy who had very similar experiences that I did. And here's a great way for me to to read this and go, wow, I feel the same way. I feel the same pain. And so now I get to wrestle with that and realize I'm not alone in my journey losing my children. And so Jesus can actually help minister to me because Dave spent some time on some scripture and some different ideas that you can have as a follower of Jesus. But also, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, why Jesus is important in this situation, in finding hope and finding healing. Jesus is that way. Thank you for listening to the Four No Men podcast. I hope that this episode has blessed you. I hope you can continue to lean in and heal because Jesus is the way to healing. And I want you to desperately find him in the midst of your pregnancy loss journey. We'll be back soon with a new episode. And until then, go to fornoministries.org slash men to get more help. Or you can find our text number there where you can reach out and text us. But don't forget, you're not alone in this journey. 
you have someone with you always. His name is Jesus, and we are here to help you as well. Just reach out. God bless. You've been listening to the Foreknown Men podcast. At Foreknown Ministries, we guide men and women to process grief through encouragement, community, and ultimately the hope that Jesus has for their future. If that's you, text four men, that's the number four, and men to 719-626-8486. You can also go to foreknownministries.org to get help now. And if you've enjoyed this episode and think it would help someone out, please share it. When you subscribe to the Foreknown Men podcast, we will send you more episodes as we release them. As with all podcasts, when you rate us or send us a review, it helps us get better and connect with more people that need to hear about the love of Jesus and pregnancy loss. Thank you for listening. We know Jesus wants to meet with you in your pain. Turn to him and we promise you'll find everlasting hope. God bless.